T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hello and good morning and welcome to Wiggins America. This is a normal weekend. Last weekend was kind of weird. Did this show and then also had Wiggins America on Labor Day, so that was kind of cool. But this is a normal, normal weekend, so thanks for being here. I do want to start by saying something that is maybe not what we normally do in talk radio, certainly in conservative talk radio. And it's weird because I had this, <laughs> here, here, this is really weird. Okay. This isn't even what I was planning on talking about. But do you know who Richard Matheson is? So Richard Matheson is a famous writer. His most famous work is I Am Legend. There have been three different movies based on I Am Legend, one of them called I Am Legend with Will Smith in 2007. The one before that was Omega Man with uh, Charlton Heston. And the one before that that most people don't realize is actually an adaptation of I Am Legend is The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, which I think was made in 1964. And that's in black and white, and it's actually part of the public domain now, I do believe. So you see that one kind of all over the place when they had lots of DVD bins. That one would always be in there. So anyway, that's the most famous work of Richard Matheson, but he also wrote a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. think maybe he wrote a little bit of Star Trek. I may be off on that. I see his name associated with Star Trek. That doesn't mean he wrote the episodes. It was that time period, though that he had a lot of stuff, and the most famous of his uh, Twilight Zone episodes is the the Creature on the Wing with um, with Captain Kirk, whatever his name is, William Shatner, uh, and but uh, several others too. So anyway, Richard Matheson is a really good writer, classic stuff in American history now. Uh, he's, he's dead, but I decided that I was, well, I, I'm part of this Twilight Zone group, okay, on Facebook. And I love the original Twilight Zone. The the different ones since then have been hit and miss. 80s one was okay. The 2002 one was not that great. And then the most recent one with Jordan Peele, the first season stunk and the second season was decent. So I'm part of this group on Facebook and I just see it's the same posts over and over of people posting a screenshot of an episode of Twilight Zone and going, isn't this a good one? <laughs> I'm like, why am I a part of this? Well... The daughter of Richard Matheson joined the group and said something in a chat. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're Richard Matheson's daughter. You're not just another Twilight Zone fan. So I contacted her. I asked her if she wanted to come on the show. 
And I've been talking with her, and she's nervous about it because she doesn't do a lot of radio. But uh, in doing so, she asked, what kind of show is it? And I said, look, we do talk politics, but I talk about all kinds of stuff. Last week, I talked about psychics with Trisha and you know we do comedy stuff so I don't really know how to classify this show and even doing the bio stuff that I have to do when you launch a show Wiggins America it's give us all your graphics and your headshot and your bio stuff I didn't really know what to tell them so it's a it's a mess when you look up the synopsis of this show because it's it's just a bunch of words that I'm like well, what about this and this and this and it it doesn't read well and it doesn't advertise the show well at all so anyway All that to say that though we talk about politics a lot, we also do talk about a lot of other things that I don't really know how to classify. So in opening the show today, I want to ask you this question. What is good that you're clinging to? Because in political radio, which we are under the umbrella of here, and conservative talk radio... What makes you, what drives you? You know, why are you listening right now? What is it that gets you going, that that sort of sparks that energy in you that makes you either want to tune into this or think about deep topics? Because that to me is is why I tune in. I've been a listener of 97.1 and talk radio and, and just interested in the political world for a long time because so much of it has so many ramifications and people making decisions that affect people's lives and power structures and things. I I just find them fascinating. And I also like to find the why. Why do things move the way that they do? And for me, it's always come back to, um, you've heard this phrase, politics is downstream from culture. I would say even further, culture is downstream from morality or spirituality. I've said that before. So what motivates you? And why do you look into these things? Because you're obviously interested in them. Is it to be entertained? Is it to be provoked. I don't know. I'm not going to just provoke you to anger. Hey, don't worry about that. We got a whole bunch of things you can be angry about for the rest of the show. <laughs> we're going to we're going to point out some things that are not quite going right. That's that's part of what we do as watchdogs. At least I think that's what we do. But I I'm going to answer that question and I just want your feedback of what drives you. What do you look to because it can't just be anger that's motivating you to do things. Otherwise, you're just going to flame out. You're burn out. So what is it that's motivating you to keep going in your daily life, in whatever, whatever aspect of life that you want to apply it to? For me, it's that I, I really do think, and I hope this comes through on the show, I really do think things are going to get better. And I don't know what that means exactly, because when I look around, I don't necessarily see tangible examples of that in our country. I see a lot of examples of that in my personal life which is great. And those things are separate. They're interlinked, but they are separate. But when I apply that to the world at large or our political spectrum, I don't know why I think things are going to get better. And so I have to look beyond that, like I said, upstream, downstream, whatever you want to call it, back to the spiritual question that I do just down in my gut believe there's a God, a higher power, And believe that it's not just this existential thing and that he's watching and then someday I'll go to heaven. I actually think that there's a God that is involved in the things we're doing. Now, he allows us a lot of leeway to make decisions on our own, and we almost always mess that up. But 
ultimately he is there and he is interested in what's happening. And when we ask him to intervene, I do believe that he does. So that to me is what drives me and it, it keeps me optimistic, not just about the things in my personal life, but about the country and about the big stuff and where we're headed. Again, I don't know exactly what's going to happen or how he's going to intervene. And there are certainly lots of examples in history of God not intervening and p- things getting really bad. Things going all the way down the hill before they would ever come back up. And maybe they don't come back up. They stay down. So I'm not saying for sure, well, this is this is the pattern. I'm just saying I think there are enough people that are praying that want God to intervene. And I do believe that God does that. And so that's my hope. Please share yours with me. Whether you agree with that or not, it's a conversation. You can find me the most easily at Twitter, at Radio Wiggins. Um, and I would love to just see what you say there or on Facebook, or you can go to WigginsAmerica.com, although that website has not been updated in a long time, and that's my fault. But I, do, I think you can still contact me on there, and some people do sometimes. So anyway, that's the start to the show. We do have a lot of more tangible, that's very intangible stuff. we got more tangible stuff coming up. We're going to have Trisha coming in. I do think we're going to be able to get to some comedy, some scripted stuff that I've been working on for quite a while and am glad to be able to maybe finally share with you. Um, and other things involving, well, the, the political spectrum, you know, the stuff we normally talk about. Stuff that may be a little bit off the radar. That's what we like to talk about here on Wiggins America. Stick around. More to come. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
gather yourself because the segment has begun. You good? Great. Hey. Hi. What's up? I'm good. Trisha good is here. Hey. Can I call you by your me. last name still? Or? Sure. Seekman. Seekman? Mm-hmm. Okay. Seekman is here. Only a few more weeks, though. What am I? What are we going to do? We're going to change your open? <laughs> <laughs> I think we better. I think, I think we ought to. Mm-hmm. I do, too. Because, uh, man, the, all the stuff we had for you before is going to be ruined. I know. <laughs> all the production, all the hours. All the stuff we played at the beginning of this segment. In. The song I'm that had nothing to do with you. my last name on you. Um, I have very little to ask you in this segment because Great. we got serious questions coming up in, in the next hour. But get this. At the end of the show, I am super excited about this. That it's going to be over? Yeah. All done. Okay. <laughs> we go home. <laughs> I mean, that's what's great. That is really it? nice. Super exciting. I am going right before we go home, though. I'm going to share what I've discovered. It is a mystery about Antarctica. What? It is almost a hundred year old mystery. And you discovered it? it? I didn't read an article and go, oh, I'm just going to report on this article, but some because somebody else did all the work. I did the work. Wow. I did it. And I have discovered. Color me impressed. Something that. Other people have discovered, but it's you know it wasn't making the rounds in the news cycle. This is something that I dug into. I was like, oh wow, nice. this is crazy, wonderful. So what a looking tease. forward to that. I can't wait to hear about it. And I will also tell you that in looking into this, I realized that one of my favorite settings for movies and TV shows is Antarctica. Yeah. Do you know why? No. Because we don't know what's under the ice. And then there's aliens. There's usually something crazy under uh, there. Oh, I gotcha. How many films have you seen that way? Maybe two. Why don't you make one? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would be under the ice in your film? Uh, I don't know. I, I, the only two I can think of is Alien versus Predator, I think, had an Antarctica element to it that there was a a ship that had been there for a long time, but nobody discovered it because it was hidden. That's what's so fun. Is that it's like there's a continent there, and we don't know anything about it. No, it's very cool. I like yeah. this. I dig it. Um, the other one is, I think, one of the Stargate movies. Okay, but if you were making this film, what would you find under the ice? You'd find a, an alien and a predator and a Stargate. I would. <laughs> You'd put all three of those things under it's the like ice. Flintstones meets the Jetsons. And then the ice starts melting, and all of a sudden, all three of those things they all pop come up. to the top, and then they just battle royale. And whichever one wins controls us. <laughs> <laughs> or at least Antarctica. Or Antarctica. Yeah, you could have Antarctica. Um, so anyway, that's at the end of the show. Um, My only question for you in this whole segment is, how far down the line of succession do you think I am to the throne? Seven. Really? Mm-hmm. That's higher than I thought. Yeah. Because I was thinking in- it's at, higher than most people. At least I think very thousands. highly of your royalty- Lineage, lineage. Yeah. No, go ahead. You, you're, you're, you got the mic. Hierarchy <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're royal. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what about you? Six? No, Eight? I'm like 47. Yeah, that's way down there. I know. That's kind of embarrassing. Why do you think I bow every time you walk into a room? I always wondered. I should have asked. No, what do you think? Thousands? <laughs> Millions? <laughs> Are we are we honing in on the real question yep. of that now? Mm-hmm. If this isn't even serious questions, man, I don't know. I would have to guess, as a person of Western European lineage, mm-hmm. I I would hope at best I'd be in the ten thousands. 
This seems realistic, doesn't it? Mm, no? At there's best. A, there's a lot of people on this planet. I get it. And a lot of us came from the same place. Oh, can I tell you something? I, I started thinking for absolutely no reason. Here's the problem with with certain aspects of creativity. You, I come up with these things, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. So I started to come up with a late night show bit about the death of the queen. Like, How do you handle it without being, you know, you got to make jokes because it's a big event. Mm-hmm. But how do you handle it without being insensitive? And so I thought, you know, it would be really funny is to honor her. And this would be the joke, like the whoever, Gutfeld or Kimmel, it doesn't even matter because it's not political. They would say to honor the queen and really all the Brits we've lost this year. Here's a list. (laughs) And it would just be like three seconds of a scrolling list of every single person who died this year in Great Britain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it would be to ceremonial music. It would be sure. very, very respectful. Does it start with her or end with her? I think it probably ends with her. Yeah. But then there's probably been a few even since then, you know? A few Brits knocked off since then. You'd have to add them to the list. Would you make the list super fast? Yeah, super fast. <laughs> like three seconds. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> so... But again, I don't really know what to do with that because I can't just like write into Jimmy Fallon, dude, I wrote a joke. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> Listen to how funny this is, man. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Hey, okay. No idea we we're going to talk about this. The head writer of, I think, Kimmel, I can't remember which one he is. No, it, no, it's Colbert. The head writer of Colbert. His name is A.D. Miles. I follow him on Twitter. He's got the blue check and everything, so he's got probably 60,000 followers. He was, he's was he been in a couple movies like Wet Hot American Summer. If you know the movie, he's the redheaded guy, but he's not famous. He's just had a couple bit parts here, and I love that movie and some of those people so much that I kind of followed this guy's career. Well, he's really funny, but he's not usually an actor. He's become the head writer of Colbert. So I feel kind of like cool that I know who he is and I follow him because there's not a ton. I mean, there's there's 60,000 people following, so it's not small. But for a person... But considering how many people there are. Yeah. he he's seems like a pretty influential guy mm-hmm. and there's not that many people following. So... <laughs> <laughs> Although you still think you're in the tens of thousands away from I, I said, hey, I, said <laughs> I said at best, and you said seven. <laughs> so... I also um, bow when you walk in a room. So. I, yeah, which is fine. It's Please very continue. Confusing. I, I, he, that guy put out, and he's he's nerdy, and he he embraces it. I know you like, like this part guy. Of this thing. What's he um, happened? He put out on Twitter the other day. L.A. is so hot that they're making an Ernest Bergnine sequel, ex- Escape to New York. I mean, it's just a bad joke, and also it doesn't use Kurt Russell, who's the star of the film. <laughs> use Ernest Bergnine. Uh-huh. I appreciated the joke. Uh-huh. And but nobody had commented on it, so I woke up in the not middle of the night. Not one person commented on this joke. Well, there was one comment, but it was from somebody else who was famous, and that was it. There was no other comments, and I thought, oh man, this is a great opportunity. I woke up in the middle of the night and saw it, and the post was like 14 hours old. So I'm like, nobody has seen this thing. It's because if you catch it right at the beginning, and you go, oh, nobody's commented on it, is because it was five minutes ago. But this one had been out there. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to challenge myself. It's four in the morning and I just can't go back to sleep because I'm challenging myself now to write a joke that L.A. is so hot that blank. Uh 
because I'm no, I know he's going to see it. And I'm just like, I don't care. I mean, he's not going to like be like, oh, you, you're amazing. I want you to come out to L.A. and be a part of our team. But I respect the guy but enough. maybe. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah, who <laughs> knows? Know. <laughs> so, but my Twitter is all political. So I'm like, if the guy clicks on it to see more jokes, it's basically just FBI raid uh-huh. material. So I'm like, well, there goes that opportunity because the guy is clearly not going to find. Did you come up with a joke? My joke. Yeah. I did two. Ooh. There was a succession of jokes. Can't believe they build it. on one another. They did. They did. The first one, I, I'll try to word it right because I won't get it right, but you'll get the premise. The first one was, LA is so hot that my mom's work friend, Steve, has been sleeping over almost all the time because he keeps saying his air conditioner broken. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, right? <clears throat> so... I'm like, ah, that's that's pretty funny. It's not. It's 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 like creating a story, uh-huh. <laughs> but, it's, but it's funny. And then I followed up with, and and my our LA is so hot that my dad has been looking at pretty much OnlyFans. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm like those two feed into each other, right? I mean, they're not completely related, uh-huh. but they could be in a real story. He, well, he liked them. Nice. I felt really proud. That's really good. Like, yeah, the yeah, head writer Colbert liked my couple of jokes. So, it's a long uh, way to go for that, but that's good. Yeah, I'm right. proud of you. Hey, you never know. I mean, that had I did not plan on talking about that with you in this segment, but here we are out of time already. Oh, that's too bad. I was having a nice time. Well, go ahead. Finish whatever else you wanted to say. No, it's okay. I'll wait. Get it off your chest. I can't. I have nothing. <laughs> Please get us out. Okay, of here. fine. We'll play the music. Uh, come back for serious questions, though, okay? Okay. Okay. This information's not up to date. I grabbed this stat on Tuesday based on the records, based on what L.A. and New York and St. Louis have done since then. This has changed a little bit, but I think the uh, the underlying point still remains. Here are the records and the payrolls of the NL division leaders right now. The Los Angeles Dodgers are obviously killing it. Those guys are going to be really hard to overcome. They are leading the NL West with 92 wins. $266 million is their payroll. That is number one in, well, at least the National League. I don't know about baseball. The New York Mets, 85 wins. They are second in terms of payroll, and they are the head of the NL East. $263 million, so barely a difference. 266 for LA, 263 for the New York Mets. Cardinals, they're leading the NL Central, of course, with 79 wins at the time. Um, that's a little bit below those other two, but it's only fair to group those those teams together, right? Because they, uh, they there's less money in the central division in both leagues, AL and NL. But they have spent 162 million on their payroll. That is 12th in the National League. That's impressive. That's just 
for them to be contending up near the top. Now, they don't have the best record in the National League, but they certainly have better than 12th, which is what their payroll would uh, determine. So that that's just impressive. I thought I'd share that stat. So even if they don't catch the Mets, which they could do, I mean, impressively, they still could catch the Mets uh, by the numbers. I don't know that they could catch L.A. I, I guess technically they could catch them until the magic number goes away, but that's not going to happen. But they could still t- catch the Mets, and they could end up with uh, the second-best record in the National League and have the 12th-best payroll. That's that's really impressive. I love sharing that stuff, and the Cardinals are just so fun to watch right now. America. That is wonderful news. Yay, okay, let's talk about Pirates now. Not the baseball team, real Pirates. And not old-fashioned Pirates with the peg leg and the parrot. I mean, modern-day Pirates. I'm going to read a headline to you, and you're going to maybe connect the dots how we're going to get from here to Pirates, modern-day Pirates. But here you go. Company owner of Abortion Boat operating in federal waters is under scrutiny. So this is a story from the Washington Examiner, who obviously leans right a little bit. This is a senior investigations reporter writing this. It says, an abortion boat floating in federal waters in the Gulf of Mexico has been pitched as a safe alternative for women in a post-Roe versus Wade America. But some critics have sounded the alarm, claiming the brainchild behind the company is a fraudster far more committed to making a quick buck than preserving re- reproductive rights. Well, duh. If you're going to open an abortion boat business in the Gulf... Can't imagine that you'd be doing it for fun. Of course, they're doing it for profit. But anyway, uh, the reason that I bring this story up is that, first of all, I find it fascinating that the even the concept of doing this exists. And I looked it up, and apparently this is a big movement for things that are are considered legal, but they're on the line. People move out into federal waters and are doing them more and more. This is a big area of drug trade. And specifically, what I was reading about was marijuana, because it's so different by states. And maybe that's the common denominator here, is that you're talking about issues that are different by state. And so one of the ways that you get around the rules of different states, and you consider probably the southern states to be more conservative, generally speaking, is that they go into the Gulf or they go into the Atlantic off the coast of Florida or up to South Carolina, that area. And they operate illegal businesses that would be illegal in the United States, but they're legal if you're in federal water, or if you're not in federal waters, if you're in international waters. So I just find this concept interesting simply because of the the workaround of law. And not that I, I am in favor of doing abortion boats, certainly not, but I, I just find the font concept fascinating. So I wanted to float that out there to you and just see if you want to contact me what you think about the idea. Now, here's where I connect pirates. There has to be some sort of law, and I think there is. There's a maritime law that's probably an international agreement between nations that that is how they keep theft from happening on the seas because if it were just anarchy, you'd have boats being robbed all the time. And amazingly, you actually do still see this sometimes. They're modern-day pirates, a lot of them got some attention off the coast of Somalia about five, ten years ago. So I just, I just find this topic fascinating because there still are areas of the world that are uninhabited and therefore really don't have any laws. But I think that there are some that govern international waters. 
the the air is the same way. If you built, uh, you know, like the old fantasy concept of building a continent above a continent, that wouldn't be under most jurisdictions. But then you talk about flight space and things like that. And then that's why space becomes interesting. And that's why I'm teasing this again here at the very end of the show. Antarctica is part of this. Antarctica is very, very interesting because there is no official government there. There's an agreement between governments about not having government there, and you have to get a uh, you have to get approval from either I think your own government's board on on Antarctica or whatever if you want to travel there. And I'm sure there are rules about that because there there are expeditions that go to Antarctica off the coast of Chile, and you know that, I think the easiest way to get there is by boat from the bottom of South America. And I still find that fascinating to do. But anyway, all this to say, just a bunch of nonsense, just a bunch of kind of ideas that are floating around in my head that I figured I'd share here and just get your thoughts. At Radio Wiggins on Twitter, you can contact me, WigginsAmerica.com, the website that is not updated, but you still can contact me there. And once again, we do have Austin Ruse coming up at the end of this hour. Looking forward to that conversation because back to abortion here, uh, away from pirates for a moment, back to abortion, the U.N., is stepping into the debate in the U.S. If you had to take a wild guess, I think you could probably figure out which side of that debate they're on. But we'll talk to Austin about that and why the U.N. doesn't have jurisdiction but likes to pretend they do in a lot of nations. Stick around. More Wings America coming up. FM Talk. This is Wiggins America. We're coming up on the end of the hour here. Austin Ruse is on the phone. He's the president of the Center for Family and Human Rights. Last time, Austin, we were talking about how you're from this area. We were talking about fireworks. So I guess that dates us to about July 4th. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very fond memory of selling wholesale fireworks in, in a little house in Gray Summit, Missouri. Oh my gosh! Really? I didn't know you could do it out of your house, or were you, you know, skirting the lawn? No, it wasn't my house. It was it was some it was somebody else's house who owned a fireworks company, and 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 that's where we set up. Wow! Wow! That's cool. <clears throat> so, um, so today I wanted to talk to you just because uh, we're talking about abortion. It's it's of course kind of on the radar for midterms, but it's uh, it's not necessarily the big story of this week. However. There's something going on that I'm like, okay, please explain this because the laws in the United States over the last few months have changed, of course, and now it's a state's rights issue and now there are different states that are grappling with what to do about abortion. Why is the U.N. stepping into this? Well, that's a really good question. Well, here's the thing. The United Nations has been, well, not the United Nations, U.N. radicals. Uh, have been interested in establishing the global right to abortion. That's why my organization was founded 25 years ago this year uh, to fight uh, the efforts of the United Nations to try and make abortion an internationally recognized human right. They've never stopped. They keep doing it. 
when when the Dobbs decision was heading into being heard by the Supreme Court, human rights experts at the United Nations actually issued a uh, an amicus brief uh, saying that there's an international right to abortion. There's not. We've always stopped one. But in recent days, on Friday, there was a, there was a resolution in the General Assembly that was accepted that for the first time uh, says that safe, you know, safe abortion um, is uh, is a human right. Now, this is a non-binding document, but it's going to be used to a very negative effect by courts around the world, by advocates here in the United States. Uh, so it was it was a really big loss for us on on Friday. And a whole lot of governments are very upset about it because it was a deeply dishonest negotiation. Austin, I've got a whole lot of ideas about what the U.N. can do in general, and they, they usually involve taking a hike. Um, but Pounding sand. Yeah, you know, same kind of stuff. Um, what... What do they do? They react differently to different U.S. administrations. For instance, during the Trump administration, obviously you had Nikki Haley there. She seemed to push back on a lot of issues. I remember her really going toe to toe on behalf of Israel for a lot of reasons. When when you have a different administration there, like the Biden administration, does that embolden the U.N. to do things like this? Well. First of all, Nikki Haley didn't do a gosh darn thing at the U.N. Uh, for the unborn child. She was a very serious problem. She was she was at the U.N. primarily to burnish her foreign policy credentials mm. and to defend Israel. Um, so on, on the life issue, she didn't do anything. And the funny thing. So the U.N. has. Yes, is a little bit emboldened because there's such a pro-abortion administration in Washington, D.C., but they've never stopped. I mean, we've been involved in every major and most minor negotiations for 25 years, and and these ideas come up in every kind of negotiations. On housing, they'll come up because when women are at home, don't you know they need their reproductive rights there too? So, so it, it, the the proposition from the left from the sexual left is that the repetitious use of certain phrases in non-binding UN documents establishes what's known as customary international law. Now, this is a false proposition, but this is what they're going for. And this is what they've been going for since the Cairo conference in 1995. Austin, how how does the UN influence nations outside of the U.S.? It seems as if what the U.S. does is, you know, the general direction. Well, not entirely, like you're saying it, but, you know, uh, the U.S. funds the UN (laughs) mostly. So what does the UN do to pressure other nations outside of us into adopting laws regarding this or anything else. Well, let me use a U.S. example because th- th- this is what they do around the okay. world. When the, when the U.S. Supreme Court um, outlawed the juvenile death penalty, the Supreme Court, the majority cited the Convention on the Rights of the Child. The United States has never ratified the Convention on the Rights of the Child, yet the Supreme Court cited it in overturning the juvenile death penalty. The United States has ratified something called the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. But when we when the Senate ratified it, we reserved on the portion that condemned the death penalty. But that was the that was the section of that treaty that the Supreme Court cited. So the Supreme Court cited two documents that the United States has never agreed to when they overturned the juvenile death penalty. So U.N. documents are used by leftist lawyers and judges around the world. Uh, You know, parliaments can cite U.N. documents. They cite U.N. experts. Uh, But the U.N. has never agreed. The the U.N. General Assembly has never agreed that abortion is an internationally recognized human right. But the U.N. bureaucracy 
tells courts and legislatures around the world that this is, in fact, an international human right. It's a lie, but some people believe it, like the majority of the Supreme Court when they overturned the juvenile death penalty. Mm. Austin Ruth, president of the Center for Family and Human Rights, on the phone with us. So I'm asking you a, a pretty big question here. But I think this is this is what ultimately what we need to know to know how to solve issues like this. Why is it that the U.N. seems to have adopted pretty much a Western leftist view of everything? Because this isn't new to and it's not even central to this issue, but it's across the board, like you're saying. Yeah. Well, the, the reason is because the. Um, Gosh, bureaucracies all over the world uh, were t- have been taken over by the left. You know, it's like corporate C-suites have been taken over by the left. You know, human resources departments have been taken over by the left. So all of the money at the United Nations is basically leftist money. So you have these huge, you know, UN agencies that have billion-dollar budgets like the UN Population Fund, UNICEF, something called UN Women, the World Health Organization. They were all taken over by the left a long time ago. Because um, conservatives don't really want to work, at, you know, uh, in, in big bureaucracy, in big governmental bureaucracies. So they were taken over by the left a long time ago. And this is simply what they do. They are there. And, and the thing about it is, is and, and, and your insight is exactly correct. It's Western. And so it is a form of imperialism. It's a form of what we call sexual colonialism that they're trying to impose on, on, on the whole world. You know, um, they want, you know, what they call comprehensive sexuality education, which you don't want to know anything about, uh, imposed on every village in Africa. And the Africans don't want that. They want clean water. They want safe sanitation. They want basic medical care. But what they get is Western sexual ideology. Yeah, that's that's really something. I mean, I'm sitting here pondering it as you're saying it going, yeah, that really is. That's imperialism. I mean, that is taking our yeah. values, which in, that's. I think what's so striking about it is that it's so condescending and hypocritical because these are typically the same people who yell that they sh- you shouldn't do that. Well, oh yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that that colonialism and imperialism are are, are wrong, except when we do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the I was just with. You know, 20 African delegations uh, on a retreat last week heading into this this debate at the U.N. on Friday, and they don't want this. But the problem is it's really hard for Africans to stand up to the muscle and might of the Western world. It takes, you know, because they're threatened. They're threatened with losing their jobs. They're threatened with, you know, money being cut, you know, from, you know, um, international donations coming into their country. You know, um, they're threatened with sanctions, both soft and hard. Uh, so it takes a lot of bravery. You know, one of the countries that uh, we're, we're, we're reporting uh, later today about the fact that the government of Hungary co-sponsored this resolution on Friday uh, that promotes uh, abortion as an internationally recognized human right. Now, Hungary, you know, is touted by American conservatives as sort of this dreamland of conservatism. But they refused. They, they not only sponsored the resolution. They refused to vote in favor of various amendments put forward by Nigeria and other African countries to take the abortion language out. So, you know, even they go along with the European Union. These supposedly conservative countries like Hungary and Poland absolutely go along with the European Union. Yeah, money talks, doesn't it? Um, Austin Ruse, on the phone with us, president of Center for Family and Human Rights. Before we run out of time, I, I 
I, I like bringing up solutions, and, and these, these are big problems, and they're very deeply ingrained. Obviously, they're global. So I'm, I'm asking you again another big question, but, but what is the solution to this? Is it, is it multi-generational, or is there something that we could be doing now? Well, you know, uh, we set up shop at the United Nations 25 years ago, and we've been there pretty much every working day since then. Not everybody's called to that. Um, you know, when, when I travel around and give talks and people say, what should we do? I, I've been saying for years, and now other people are saying it, stay home and take over the school board. You know, in, in, I'm sure the school board in St. Louis is utterly corrupt. Stay home and take over the school board. Expose what the school board is teaching. Expose, you know, critical race theory and transgenderism, which is running rampant all over this country at the grade school level. That's what people ought to be doing. You know, if people want to come to the U.N. and, and, and work with us, they're welcome to. But, uh, but what people really ought to do is stay home and take over the school board. You know, work in the state house. Go to, go to Jeff City and lobby. All these things is what people ought to be doing. Austin, how do people connect with you at CFAM if they'd like to? C-FAM.org, C-FAM.org. We put out a weekly report called the Friday Facts, uh, four languages, 300,000 subscribers, that takes people inside the U.N. social policy debate. Good stuff. Austin, thanks again for your time. Always appreciate it. Any old time. Thanks so much. More Wiggins America coming up. Sticking out. Stick around for another full hour ahead. And then one day. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.